Have you ever wondered why sometimes your body feels like your worst enemy? You may be so overwhelmed before a big presentation or test that the hours of preparation evaporate in the frantic energy of your body. You might feel so numb or disconnected during a once-in-a-lifetime experience that although you know your body was there, afterward, you wonder if you were really there at all. Today, we will explore the automated part of our nervous system that we share with all mammals and how learning how to connect with and harness its energy, we can get unstuck. Welcome to Physically Spiritual. I've been amazed by how much growing physically healthier has changed my spiritual life. I am captivated with discovering the truth about my body and how it relates to my relationship with God. Physically Spiritual is my attempt to harmonize and share what I've discovered. I'm your host, Andrew Reinhardt. Welcome back to Physically Spiritual. You've joined us in the middle of a series about the body and how we can uh, make choices that our body can become an ally in our spiritual life. This is a reminder. Remember, we have show notes. Uh, In these notes, we try to do our best to give you the the best information we can. And there we'll have quotes that we have in the show, references to articles and other resources, links to articles that I'm writing, and also... um, information, anything we quote in the show will be listed in the show notes. Uh, If you want to support Physically Spiritual, the show is made possible by Awakened Catholic. The patrons of Awakened Catholic are the Awakened Nation. If you want to join the Awakened Nation, go to awakencatholic.com. Today, I want to talk about the nervous system. Have you ever wondered what's going on in your body when you feel so overwhelmed that you can't do what you want to do? Um, Maybe you are at work and and something happens and then you just can't get anything done the rest of the day and you sit there and wonder, well, what happened to me? Why couldn't I focus? Maybe you're in a conversation with your spouse and you're just so tongue-tied and overwhelmed that you can't say what you really mean. It's like you're you're numb all over. Uh, Well, there's something going on in the body that we share with all other mammals and what's happening is in a system called the autonomic nervous system or the ANS. The autonomic nervous system controls the mostly unconscious or automatic functions of the body, including things like heart rate, uh, your digestion, respiratory rate, uh, excretion of waste, and arousal of the body. Uh, So all of this is happening, uh, and we don't have to control it. You don't have to remember to make your heart beat, or you don't have to choose to do anything to make your food digest. It, It just happens. It's something the body knows how to do and carries out, Um, regardless of what you're thinking about. This autonomic nervous system is split into two mere or antagonistic systems called the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems. The sympathetic nervous system controls the fight and flight response. It's a system responsible to engage the body for survival. So if something happens and um, might be unsafe or the body perceives it as unsafe, This system engages, and it it shifts all these functions of the body. It shifts things that are non-essential in the moment, things that aren't going to help you survive the the animal attack or whatever danger is present, uh, in order to optimize for either fighting or running away. The mirror of this is the parasympathetic nervous system. This is a state that engages when you're resting and digesting, connecting, and healing, uh, And you're either in a a sympathetic or parasympathetic state, um, while there are mixed states too. 
All of this is controlled in the body, uh, especially the, the parasympathetic state, by a nerve called the vagus nerve. This nerve runs all the way from your brainstem down to your stomach. Um, this connects uh, pretty much your whole body and all of these different responses that are happening. There's a, a researcher by the name of Dr. Stephen Porges, and he put forward a theory called the polyvagal theory, poly for multiple and, and vagal for the vagus nerve. And uh, he realized that this vagus nerve uh, serves multiple functions, that it's not only involved when we're resting and digesting, when we're safe and connected, but it also is engaged when we're in a place of shutdown, meaning we can get into a, a place where we're, we're frozen, where fleeing and fighting aren't an option, and our, our best bet is to stay still, to shut down, to survive. Uh, in this shutdown state, you experience um, less uh, emotion, less feeling, and that's so if you are going to get attacked, you don't actually feel it. Um, and you also experience a slowing down of all the functions of your body. Uh, there's an image that's helpful to visualize these states, and it's put forward by a, a, a counselor called Deb Dana. She wrote a book called The Polyvagal Theory in Therapy, and she talks about this idea called the polyvagal ladder. The polyvagal ladder, if you visualize it in yourself, um, where the vagus nerve is and where all these shifts are happening, you could visualize the safe and social place kind of in your neck, right at the base of your brainstem, and then your flight, kind of here in the chest, fight a little bit deeper, and then the freeze state all the way down at the top of your gut. So there's sort of this ladder. And know it helps me to visualize it and think about it and experience it. So you, you move up and down the ladder. You flow through these states. Remember, the top of the ladder is in the parasympathetic system. This is safe and social, or sometimes called ventral vagal, or, or your first parasympathetic state. So there are actually signs in the body that you're in this state. One sign is the ability to have eye contact. Have you ever wondered why sometimes when you're in conversation, eye contact feels safe and it feels comfortable and you want to connect with the eyes of others? Other times you have this instinct or draw to look away, to draw your eyes. Well, when you feel comfortable with that eye contact, it's because you're feeling safe and social. Uh, also, your facial expressiveness. When you're in a safe and social state, your, your face has this wide variety of postures. And when your face is kind of frozen or stuck, it's a sign that you're down the ladder. The ability to hear voices, to distinguish voices from background noise. You're sitting in a restaurant. Sometimes you can clearly hear the person in the restaurant. Other times uh, you can't stop but hear the conversations around you or the music playing, and you can't focus on the voices. Well, when you can hear that voice, you're in a safe spot. Uh, when you're attuned to the surrounding noises, it's because you're activated for some reason for safety. Um, if you feel safe and in control and you have the ability to connect with others, you feel like you can connect, that you can feel that like you're with the other person, experience the other person is present. So moving down the ladder, the next phase you'll move into once you sense danger is a flight state or a sympathetic state. So signs of the flight state are things like feeling fidgety, maybe your leg shaking or, or the desire to leave, right? You just have this ability, the, the desire to leave, to move, to get up, to walk around, to pace. Maybe you have an inability to focus. The voices are drowned out by the surrounding sounds. Remember, the safety system is engaged, so you need to be aware of the peripheral things. Something might come out at you. So your senses are, are optimized for, uh, for attention to danger, for noticing danger. 
So you're going to be both auditorily more connected to the surrounding sounds, the peripheral sounds, and visually your eyes are going to be drawn to movement, what's going on around you. Um, and you're also probably going to experience an inability to really be empathetic. Right? You're, 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 um, you're triggered and you're in a safety state. So you're not worried about the other person. The next step down the ladder is your sympathetic or, or the, the flight state, fight state, sorry, the fight state. And this is also in the sympathetic nervous system. Signs of this are now you're not only fidgety, you're angry and you're tense. You have a desire to fight or lash out. You probably have an inability to calm down or just to make yourself calm down. Um, and also an even further inability to be empathetic. Now, now you don't just feel like you want to get away from that person. You feel like they're the enemy. You want to attack that person. Uh, then finally, all the way down at the bottom, you have dorsal vagal or shut down, second parasympathetic. Signs of this are feeling disconnected, numbness, feeling uh, apathy, right? No motivation. You don't care. Hopeless. Uh, there's a flat tone to your voice and your face is frozen and you can't hold eye contact. You just look down at the ground or look somewhere else. So these are all signs of being in a shutdown place. We also have mixed states. When we're thinking about this ladder, the goal isn't to be safe and social all the time. You're not just going to stay at the top of the ladder. That's not really healthy. The goal is to, to phase between these states freely and that the state actually matches the, the needs of the situation. So you want the state to match reality. You want the state to be adaptive to the situation you're actually in. So there's mixed states like play. Play is a mix of safe and social and fight and flight. So you're attacking, you're aggressive, you're energetic, you're spontaneous. Um, but on the other hand, you're also safe and you're controlled and you know there's limits to what you're doing. So the ability to play, do things like wrestle and roughhouse, or to be spontaneous and to play pranks on another person, this is probably engaging these two systems together. You also have stillness, the state you might access during meditation. This is a mix of the safe and social state with, uh, with the, the shutdown state. Right, so, so you're both engaged and connected, but you're also quiet and calm and shut down. And then there's freeze. Freeze is a mix of the fight and flight energy, the survival energy, with the shutdown energy. So there's both the, the need to, to fight, there's danger, plus the need to shut down. So this is the sort of last-ditch effort survival, is uh, playing dead or playing possum, uh, this freezing of the body. So how does all of this happen? How do we move from one place to another? Um, one, th one of the theories of Dr. Porges is an idea called neuroception. Neuro for, for the brain, neurology, the nervous system. Ception, um, kind of like perception. It's your ability to, to, to notice something or, or experience something. So neuroception is the body's reaction to cues of safety and danger. And all of this... Um, evolved in the human animal prior to the prefrontal cortex is the belief. So when we're shifting between these states, there's no conscious awareness of it, actually. You don't uh, choose to make it happen. And as it's happening, you won't necessarily know what's happening unless you're cued in or attuned to the phenomenon going on in your body. Right? This is all pre-conscious. Um, so this movement, this ability of your body to recognize safe in social places versus dangerous places is called neuroception. Um, so Deb Dana, in her book, The Polyvagal Theory and Therapy, um, has a phrase that story follows state. 
Story follows state. So we're, we're moving between these states as we're neurocepting danger and safety in the world around us. And then what the brain does to make sense of the feeling in the body, the experience, it then the brain creates a story or literally writes a narrative that makes sense of it. This narrative may or may not match reality. Let me give you a couple everyday examples. I know for me, I notice it a lot when I'm driving. <laughs> when I'm driving, uh, I get all kinds of discombobulated. Sometimes I feel like just driving as fast as I can, getting away from what's going on. Sometimes I get so angry. Um, I was just driving the other day and was in a, in a traffic jam, and I felt the whole time this fidgetiness. I just wanted to get unstuck, right? I had this flight energy. But then I noticed people zooming by us on the, the left-hand side and then cutting into the line, slowing all of us down. So then all of a sudden, I'm down in fight mode, right? I, I don't want to just get out of the traffic jam. I want to punish these people. I want there to be justice, right? So when I'm in that fight state, then my mind starts ruminating about what's happening. The shift has already happened in my body. I'm down the ladder. And then when I'm, uh, I'm experiencing that, I'm telling myself stories about these people, right? They're bad people. How dare they? Can't they see that we're all waiting? Can't they just get over and be civil? Right? My, my mind is creating stories that follow the state that make sense of the situation I'm in. We do this all over the place. We do this at work. The title of the episode is The Tiger in the Inbox. <laughs> so what does that mean? It means when you're receiving emails, when you're reading email messages, uh, your vagal state is shifting. Right? You're shifting up and down the ladder based on what's in that message. Maybe you get an email from your boss that says, uh, let's have a conversation later today. <laughs> right? Depending on your experience, you might, uh, you might encounter that as sort of neutral or, or kind of positive, like, oh, he didn't want to bother me. We're going to talk later. That's fine. I can keep working on what I'm working on. Or you might ex- experience that as danger, right? Well, he wants to meet with me in person later because he wants to fire me or yell at me for something. Right? And, and your body's going to shift. Um, so a lot of people find email actually kind of overwhelming uh, because your biology doesn't know what the heck to do with that. That's nothing that it ever encountered in nature or the conditions that brought it to be what it is. Um, so we, we experience like a saber-toothed tiger in these messages where we get activated in the flight and fight states. Um, even though our, our rational brain, we can just stop and think and realize everything's okay. Like he hasn't fired me yet. What's to mean that that he or she's going to fire me now, right? So the story follows the state, and we're shifting up and down the ladder based on the way we're experiencing the world. So our, our experiences are formed by our memories. And so how I've experienced the world in the past, it, my body, it, my, my brain, my mind are going to use those experiences to try to make sense of the present. This means that, that situations you've experienced in the past is unsafe, or, or where you've been harmed or wounded or traumatized, um, situations in the present might pull you back into that place. So one of the ways we know trauma develops in the body is when somebody gets into a, f- a frozen state, a state of freeze where they're, they're activated to be in, in danger and then their body's also shut down. And then for some reason, they never work their way back up the ladder. See, the thing about a ladder is you can either go all the way up it or all the way down it or go to the middle and stay, right? There's no starting at the, the bottom and then jumping to the top. Uh, so if you're in a, in a frozen place, in a still place, you have to pass up through the ladder back to safe and social. So you have to go up the ladder through fight and then through flight and then up into feeling safe. 
So um, when I experienced this traffic the other day, my next thing was at a park, and I got there early, um, which was a blessing. And I took a walk, and then I found a nice place to sit down in the quiet, and I closed my eyes and started to feel what was in my body. And at first, um, I still felt some of that angry residue. Um, through uh, practicing meditation and, and visualization, I kind of feel the state in my chest. And then as I was breathing and visualizing, um, I started to feel it move a little bit, but then I started to feel really uncomfortable, like, like my skin was crawling. Um, and, and then I did some, some more meditation with it and some more sitting with it and some more being in my body, and, and it eventually passed up. Right? It eventually came up through. But I couldn't just get out of that fight place right into safe and social. I had to pass up through the flight um, to feel safe and social again, to feel connected. And I was able to be connected at the meeting I was at then um, after that with some of my friends. Um, so we can pass up through the ladder, but when we get stuck, right, when we get into a place of freeze, um, but aren't able to, to move through fight and then through flight back to safe and social, the body holds on to that energy, right? The body's mobilizing energy that, to protect itself, to save itself. And our, our rational brain our mind will get in the way. We'll tell ourselves things like, I don't want to feel that, or that doesn't feel safe, or it's not socially acceptable to do this, or, or whatever. So then we never express ourselves. We never work up through it. We, we disconnect ourselves. We disassociate from the feelings. But that energy stays in the body. So then whenever anything brings us back to that experience, whenever something connects to those memories, um, it brings us back into that place where we're shut down again. So we're getting dysregulated in our autonomic nervous system in a way that doesn't match reality. Because now that, that little conversation isn't just a little conversation, it sends me all the way off the deep end. Because right? it's connected to my experiences of the past that were never resolved. So let's talk a little bit about some tools we can use to start to um, become aware of these states in the body and then how we can uh, move through them, how we can start uh, just the process of uh, them not just simply being things that were th thrown around in like we're awash in the ocean, to things we can become aware of and pass through. First tool is develop attunement. Attunement is the ab ability to feel what's in your body. Right? It's your ability to be conscious of what's in your body. I would recommend a book by Dr. Greg Bataro called The Mindful Catholic. And there he talks about a practice called mindfulness from the Catholic perspective. But it's a great way to start building that muscle of attunement. Uh, so we strengthen the abil uh, our ability to recognize distress as a feeling in the body, one, to notice where it is in the body and what it feels like. And then by doing that, we can realize that it's not permanent and we can learn how to move through it. Right? So from the one end, my body is just all discombobulated and I'm stuck in my head and then my brain's creating a story that tries to explain why I feel the way I feel. On the other hand, I can learn to recognize the feeling. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm down the ladder. And so I'm going to stop and I'm going to feel it in my body. Where, where is it? What does it feel like? Uh, what's my body saying to me in this moment? How can I be attuned to it, be connected to it, and not have to act out of it? So we build that attunement muscle. And this is something to practice. You know, I've, I've been working on meditation techniques for, for years to get to the point where I can start to feel it in my chest. I, I'm a particularly disassociated and disconnected person sometimes, uh, so it's taken a lot to, uh, to be able to, to feel those feelings. 
The second thing we can do in our control is breathing. Breathing is controlled by the autonomic nervous system. So our respiratory rate is, is moved when we're in these states. But breathing is also something we consciously control. It's one of the only functions that we can directly control with our will and is also controlled by the autonomic nervous system. So breathing is especially helpful when dealing with these vagal states. Um, one thing that, that helps is to inhale in a controlled way, to pause at the end of your inhale, and then to exhale and to extend your exhale out longer than the inhale. So you might like breathe four in, then hold it for four seconds, then count to eight as you exhale. Exhale nice and slowly. And that breathing can, can uh, train the nervous system to come back up the ladder. Another thing uh, that some people have reported, I haven't actually experienced this for myself, but some people report that making sound can affect the vagus nerve. The vocal cords in the throat are, are right next to the vagus nerve. So that vibration in the throat can stimulate or relax the vagal nerve. That's something you have to look into and experiment with. It's not something that I've been using. Another thing is co-regulation. So we're picking up cues of safety uh, from the people around us. So one of our biggest inputs for safety are the people around us in the states that we're in. So we can learn to co-regulate others and to be co-regulated by others or shared regulation. Some of the things we pick up on is a prosodic voice. This is a high voice full of a variety of pitches that also has a sing-songiness to it. When you're in a safe place vaguely, your, your voice has this greater range of expression. So a prosodic voice, also an authentic smile. So when you really smile, you get eye crinkles. When it's a fake smile, the eyes say the same. So these eye crinkles, this authentic smile is a cue of safety. Um, try it with a baby sometimes. Get, get an infant and do that big, goofy smile where you crinkle your eyes and you'll see them react to it. Their nervous system reacts to the cue. Or you notice when people do baby talk, they naturally do that high sing-songy voice. Uh, and, and this is because it reacts with the child's nervous system. There's a lot of applications for co-regulation. For example, like if you're a teacher in a classroom, you can co-regulate your classroom by being attuned to yourself, making sure you're staying in a safe and social place. If you start yelling at your classroom and they start to behave, it could be because you've pushed them all the way down the ladder into freeze. The bad news is if you do that, they're not going to learn anything. The body is not interested in higher thought. Uh, and they're going to have to come back up through the ladder. So maybe you're lucky and there's like recess right after that. And they can go and let all that energy out and, and play and fight and, and be kids. But maybe they're stuck in the classroom for another couple hours. Right? So maybe what you could do is become attuned to the, the vagal state of your students and then do things that can help them come back up into the safe and social place, whether it be meditation exercises or movement or, or different things that you might uh, walk them through and lead them through. Um, you can also um, decode some of the reactions you're having from your story. So notice the places in your life where your, your vagal state doesn't match, right? those places where you get way thrown off and, and it really wasn't actually that dangerous. The goal isn't to always be in safe and social. The goal isn't that you're just impervious, right? No, you're going to move, you're going to shift, and you can utilize these states for different purposes. Um, but on the other hand, on the places where you're stuck, the places where 
where the movement's too extreme and you can't move out of it, there might be something from your story that relates to that, right? Something from your experience, maybe from your childhood, maybe even in your implicit memory from when you were really little before you actually explicitly remember things. So these outsized reactions that are initiated by triggers can be a sign that there's something in your past that you can, you can work with. Uh, these reactions, you can work with them in a top-down way or a bottom-up way. So there's a, a, a technique called somatic experiencing by a, re, uh, a clinician by the name of Peter Levine who, uh, who explains this sort of bottom-up experiencing. So you work through the trauma from the body, from the body and then you experience a difference in your consciousness through that engagement with the body. Or you can come at it the other way, sort of the talk therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy, where you talk through it, change your beliefs, and by doing that, then change your behavior. So here's a couple situations where in our walk as Christians, this can, can really be applicable. I just wanted to give you a few to start with, and I'm sure you'll think of other areas in your own life. The first one is attempting to meditate. Have you ever tried a new mental prayer technique, a new technique of, of praying quietly? Maybe every time you sit down, what you feel like is just getting up again. Right? You can't sit there the whole time. You're fidgety. You have this energy where you can't focus. Maybe your mind runs to a thousand other places other than what you're trying to meditate on. Well, there, your, your autonomic nervous system is probably engaged. You're probably in like a flight kind of place, so you can't sit there and meditate. So learning how to move yourself up the ladder as a preparation for meditation can be really helpful because then in that safe and social place, you can connect with God. Maybe you're trying to focus on a project at work and you just feel overwhelmed. You can't focus. Maybe the emails or whatever. Maybe you can structure your day to avoid common triggers. For example, like not checking your email till after lunch. And by doing that, you can stay in a more regulated place through the morning so you can focus. Another example is caring for children. I talked a little bit about the classroom, but you could integrate this kind of uh, polyvagal approach in your parenthood, right? What's going on in your children's nervous system? How can you help co-regulate them to pull them up out of it, to help them be safe and social and engaged with you? So these are just a few examples of how we can engage this, this information to live our life as Christians better. Thanks for watching this episode of Physically Spiritual. I want to remind you about the show notes with uh, quotes and links and articles. And uh, if you want to see anything else that I've published, go to becominggift.com. And if you want to support Physically Spiritual, consider becoming a member of the Awakened Nation. Awakened Nation is at awakencatholic.com. Thanks for watching this episode of Physically Spiritual. If you're watching the show on YouTube, make sure to press the like button, subscribe to the Awakened Catholic YouTube channel, and turn on the bell notifications so that you can find out when new episodes are released. Also, it's super helpful if you could leave a review for the podcast on iTunes or your podcast player. At Awakened Catholic, we're dedicated to bringing people to truth through beauty. This show and all the shows here on Awakened Catholic are only possible because of people like you. You can become a part of what makes this all possible by making a tax-deductible donation for as little as the price of a cup of coffee a week. To join the Awakened Nation, visit awakencatholic.org forward slash join.